Our text this evening is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. The thoughts that I wish to share with you tonight are not for everybody. At least everything in the study is not for everybody. Perhaps I ought to put it that way. You watch for the part that belongs to you. The Holy Spirit will help you to see it. In fact, it wouldn't be good for everybody to accept and apply in your life everything I'm going to give tonight. Uh, some of it won't apply to some of you. But uh, there'll be something for everybody, like a cafeteria. You know, ahead of us is a great crisis. We speak of it. Many in the world are recognizing that things can't go on the way they are very much longer. Something's going to give. Something's going to snap. But the paradox of it is, dear friends, that in order for you and me to get ready for that, some of us need to get more relaxed instead of more wrought up. To state it in another way, to accomplish more, there's some people here tonight that need to attempt less. You'll see that more clearly as we go ahead. Now we're ready, I think, for our text, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Will you read it with me? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now Jesus tells me if I'll come to him, I'll find what? Rest. Now if I haven't found rest, either I haven't come, or else I came and he didn't keep his word. Because he says here in this text, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. May I ask you, friends, what do you think of when you think of coming to Jesus? Do you think of a spur? Do you think of a lash? Do you think of something happy? Cheerful? Jesus says, come and I'll give you what? Rest. Now notice it's to those that are weary and heavy laden that he gives this invitation. Rest is for those who are what? Weary. And weariness comes from what? From labor. From work. You know, there's some people that don't know much about what work is. But um, I don't think very many of them are here tonight. I, I think the people who are here tonight know something about work. Do you know something about work? All right. Well, I've said that to say this. This text, then, is for you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will do what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my what? Yoke. Is that a rocking chair? Is that what a yoke is? 
rocking chair? What's he old for? Work, but Lord, I'm already tired. He says, you may be, but he says, if you'll take my yoke upon you and learn of me, you'll find what? Rest. Rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We learn precious lessons in the study of physiology. We know that all the different organs, tissues of the body, have their rhythmic cycles of work and rest, work and rest, work and rest. Take the heart. Here it is beating along 60, 70, 80 times a minute, contracting, relaxing, contracting, relaxing, contracting, and relaxing. Now, you might not think that the rest it gets in between those contractions amounts to very much, but makes all the difference between life and death. That's it. That's what the difference is. And God longs that you and I, in our spiritual life, shall learn to beat rhythmically, just like the physical heart does, to work and rest, to work and rest, to find an experience where, like an automobile, we recharge the battery as we go along. And that's why Jesus invites us here to come and take what? His yoke, and we'll find what? Rest. How in the world could I find any rest in a yoke. Well, Jesus says you'll find it. Of course, I may say sometimes people have to hunt to find it. And so I invite you tonight to study with me how it is that we can have this experience of rest and peace. We need it, folks. This is called the jet age, but God hasn't made you a jet engine. He never intended that you should work and operate like a jet engine. It's more like this heart we're talking about. You remember in the last message, there in Revelation 14, the climax of it is in the 12th verse. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The people who keep his commandments and his faith will be what kind of people? Patient people. Patient people. They can run and keep off. They don't get excited. Oh, it's going to mean something to go into this great crisis ahead, having learned that lesson. What do you say? Now, in Philippians, the fourth chapter, will you turn to that? There's a little verse tucked away here. That may help us. And you'll notice it's linked with the second advent. It's linked with the coming of the master and our preparation for his coming. Philippians, the fourth chapter and the fifth verse. What's the fourth word in this? The third word, I should say. What is it? 
Moderation. I wonder what that means. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Well, if the Lord is at hand, this is no time to be moderate. Let's put on the gas, give it all we've got, and go. No. The scripture says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In volume 7, page 298, I read this interesting statement. The power of man cannot hasten the work. Oh, surely if we'd all just worked night and day, we could hasten it. No. No. Tomorrow morning, or if we didn't want to do it on Sabbath, suppose we'd wait till another day. But one of these mornings, it's beginning to get light there in the east, but still the sun hasn't come up. Do you suppose if enough of us would get a rope and get it over Lookout Mountain and pull hard, we could get it here a minute sooner? Well, you say, of course, we couldn't. We couldn't get it around it. Well, suppose we could get the rope around the sun. You think all of us together could get it here a minute sooner? Or to get right down to the practical, it's the earth that's turning. You suppose if we'd all lean heavy enough in that direction, we could make the earth turn just a minute faster? It'd be something to tell to all the world that we'd made the sun get up a minute early, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a wonderful demonstration? Well, we're not going to get that done. But this says, talking about the work of God, the power of man cannot hasten the work. Let no one overtax his God-given powers in an effort to advance the Lord's work more rapidly. Now, I know there's a verse that says that we can hasten the coming of Jesus. We've surely been delaying it for over a hundred years. You say, how does that agree with what we're studying? It agrees perfectly, friends. The thing that's delaying the coming of Jesus is not so much our lack of activity, it's lack of learning this lesson. What the world needs is not so much to see us darting here and there like lightning. The world needs to see that you and I have come to Jesus and found rest. Rest that's found not by stretching out on a bed and doing nothing, but rest that is found in the yoke. That we have found a program, a way of life, which for us, has settled the question of how to have peace. Not by being released from labor, but by finding in labor and rest, in study and prayer, in the total life that Jesus has given us, that we find a satisfaction, a joy, a rest that causes other people to say, as the woman at the well finally said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. The river of the water of life. 
Well, the text we've just read says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What impression do your friends or visitors get as they come in touch with you? Do they get the impression that you have found a way of life, that things are under control? Or do they get the impression that you were born 30 minutes too late and have been seeking all your life to catch up? What impression do they get? Now, I'm not so concerned with the image we create. I'm concerned, my dear friends, with what happens in our own soul. And the interesting thing is, the more conscientious a person is, the more he may fail to enter into this rest that Jesus is talking about. Can it happen that way? Sure. Well, listen, if you knew that the thing that would please Jesus most would be for you to come to him and get this rest he's talking about and find out how to work with him in a way that at the end of the day you feel happy instead of... Oh, I wonder when I'll ever catch up. Which is it, Fred? Which is it? Come unto me and I'll do what? Give you rest. Oh, you say, Brother Frizzy, what, what is it you have for us? What pill? What vitamin? What, what something that's going to just... And all my troubles are over. Our text says, let your what be known? Moderation. You know what moderation is? Moderation is to know when to stop. Stop what? Well, stop anything. Moderation in eating means to be able, at the proper time, when something is passed to you, to say what? No, thank you. Not to say, oh, uh, probably I shouldn't eat it, but it tastes so good, I guess I will. Or maybe to cast the blame on the hostess and to say to yourself, well, she wouldn't like it if I'd turned down the second helping, and so just to please her, and parenthesis, and myself too, I'll have some more. <laughs> See? No. No, that's not what? That's not moderation. Moderation is being able to say what? No, no, thank you, but no. That's right. And this applies, dear friends, not merely to uh, eating. It applies to everything. Let your moderation be known unto all men. You and I should be known as moderate people. Another word for that is temperate, temperate people. You've heard about temperance, haven't you? We were hearing about it a few minutes ago. That means you shouldn't smoke. But now, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. We'll have a nice definition here. 1 Corinthians 9, 25th verse. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in... In what? In what? In all things. What in all things? Temperate. You mean... There is a temperance that applies to everything? That's what Paul says. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in what? All things. Are you temperate in all things? 
I found a little statement in this book, Temperance, page 138, I thought was right to the point. Excessive indulgence in eating, drinking, sleeping, or seeing is sin. Shall I read that again? Excessive indulgence in eating, drinking, sleeping, or seeing is sin. Can a man eat too much? Yes, people do it. Can a person drink too much, even if something good? Yes. Can he sleep too much? That's what they say. The wise man there in Proverbs tells about it. He went by the vineyard of the sluggard, and he saw it had all grown up to thorns. He said, I looked it over, and I thought, he had a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come. Yes, a person can eat too much, drink too much, sleep too much. And what was that last thing I read? That's interesting, isn't it? You know, that was written a hundred years ago. Do you think anybody has any problem with that today? Is seeing too much? I won't even need to comment on that one, will I? All right. Oh, yes, there was something across the page, though, that I didn't want to miss. 139 in the book Temperance. We should practice temperance in our labor. It is not our duty to place ourselves where we shall be overworked. Oh, somebody's saying, I'm so glad Brother Frizzy's reading that. I hope somebody will listen to that and not give me so much work to do. Well, I hope they will, too. It is not our duty to place ourselves where we shall be overworked. May I say very, very simply, friends, and, and very earnestly and honestly, if you're where you're actually being overworked and can't get it changed, by all means, make a move. By all means, make a move. It is not our duty to place ourselves where we shall be overworked. Some may at times be placed where this is necessary, but it should be the exception, not the rule. It should be what? The exception, not the rule. Now, what is it that should be the exception? Overwork. Why, yes, if mothers work all day, and then at midnight the baby gets sick, she doesn't say, sorry, darling, I'll see you at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no. She doesn't keep union hours or any other kind of hours, does she? She's right up and at it. But that's to be what? The exception, not the rule. Why? Because, friends, God has made us so that we have to have rest, just the same as we have to have food. And to uh, acknowledge this and practice this is what? It's temperance. That's what we read in 1 Corinthians 9. And over in Philippians 4, it's what? Moderation. And we're to be temperate in what? All things. And one reason for doing it is that the Lord is at hand. When he comes, he's going to find a temperate people that are waiting for him not on pins and needles, not pacing up and down. No. 
expectation, but resting in him. Friends, I want to learn the lesson. What do you say? Oh, I believe that if some people here tonight can learn the lesson, it'll do more for them, friends, than anything else I know. Just to learn, like the human heart, to work and rest, work and rest, work and rest. And the heart can do that, and it can do a lot more than people think it can, provided that we don't overload it, provided that we give it opportunity to grow into the bearing of greater burden. We can learn it. I'm going to read a few statements now from the book Evangelism, page 80 and 81. If our active temperament gathers in a large amount of work that we have not strength nor the grace of Christ to do understandingly and with order and exactitude, everything we undertake shows imperfection and the work is constantly marred. God is not glorified, however good the motive. The worker complains of constantly having too heavy burdens to bear. Now, what's a symptom of this thing? The worker does what? He complains of constantly having too heavy burdens to bear. Well, what was the matter? Well, the matter was he had an active temperament that gathered in a large amount of work. You know the picture I see when I read that? I get the picture of a great cafeteria. And here I take my tray and I start up. And there are the salads. And I think, oh my, those salads look so good. I think I'll have two of them. Salads are good for you. And so I get me a couple of salads. And then I go on around to the entrees and they look good. And the vegetables and the desserts and the beverages and bread, milk, and by the time I get through, I need a tray and a half, you understand. But now I've gotten it on my tray, and I sit down at the table, what have I got to do? Well, I've got to eat it, don't I? Or do I? Well, I don't have to, but to uh, be ashamed to have it go to waste, wouldn't it? Be ashamed to go to waste either way on this one, wouldn't it? Now, where was the problem? Where was the problem? I took too much on the tray. Is that the problem? Yes. That's the basic problem. And if I'm going to eat at a cafeteria, I'm going to have to learn to think about that whole array and make up my mind that most of it I'm going to pass by and not touch. Is that right? My dear friends, life is a cafeteria. And one of the biggest things you can learn at Wildwood, whether you're here through the weekend classes or whether you come here Friday night for Vesper service, is this. Most of what you come in contact with is not for you to put on your tray. You can't take all the classes at Wildwood. Oh, no, somebody says that's the trouble because they're having one just what I want at the time when somebody else is teaching, and I want to get that too. I remember... Somebody here on this place years ago, when we were all eating at one table, told the cook she had to be gone for a few days. She said, please don't have anything specially good while I'm gone. <laughs> she 
He didn't want to miss anything. Well, bless your hearts, friends. There are so many things happening on this place and in this program. You're missing nine-tenths of it every day you live. Oh, that's the trouble. I've got to catch up. No, you can't. It's impossible. But you can wear your life out trying, like a dog trying to keep up with a Cadillac. He can never catch it, but he can sure work hard and wear himself out trying it, can't he? Yes. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Good sense to say, why, dear Lord, I see you didn't mean for me to uh, take all the classes or read all the books or see all the people or learn all the flowers or we just heard about this five-day plan that was going on. Oh, I wish I could have been there. Well, I, I wish I could. I planned to go, but the Lord had other plans for me, brother. You got along all right without me, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. But I would have enjoyed it, and really, I planned to be there. But uh, something happened, and I couldn't. Is that all right? Or shall I cry about that? Shall I complain to God or to the people who assigned my work? My dear friend, oh, let us come to Jesus and find what? Rest. Rest in the oak, with the oak. Jesus wants us to link up with him and be happy in what he gives us to do and not attempt more. I want to read you an interesting letter that the Lord's Messenger wrote to Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. You know, a failure to learn the lesson we're studying tonight is at the foundation of Kellogg's failure to persevere with this message. This was the problem. Volume 8, 189. The Lord gave you your work not to be done in a rush, but in a calm, considerate manner. The Lord never compels hurried, complicated movements. But you have gathered to yourself responsibilities that the Lord, the merciful Father, does not place upon you. Did Kellogg have more than he could do? Yes. Where did he get it? He gathered those things to himself. The Lord put some things on him, and then he, he put some more in. He put some more in. Did you ever hear of people complaining that a certain food didn't agree with them and you asked them what else they had for dinner and there was 13 other things? Now, if they had 14 things in the stomach, how did they know which one didn't agree with them? You have gathered to yourself responsibilities that the Lord, the merciful Father, does not place upon you. Duties he never ordained that you should perform chase one another wildly. Never are his servants to leave one duty marred or incomplete in order to seize hold of another. Not all the burdens that you have been carrying have been laid upon you by the Lord. Now, the Lord's messenger suggested that one way he could have avoided some of this was to do some counseling with his brethren. But you know why he didn't? He was afraid they'd interfere with his plan, and they probably would have. Listen. By prayer and consecration, by seeking the Lord for wisdom and surrendering yourself to his guidance, you would have been prevented from starting many enterprises. 
that have been born, not of the will of God, but of the will of man. You have neglected things of great importance to take up with impulsive spirit, unadvised by the Lord or your brethren, things of minor importance. Your brethren could have given you counsel, but you despised any word that interfered with your plan. Oh, my! But I wouldn't want to come and tell my brother now, here, somebody's asked me to do this, and somebody asked me to do that, and I've thought of this and that other thing that I want to do. Now, which do you think I ought to do? They might cut out the very thing I want to do most. So I don't think I'll ask them. I'll just try to wedge it all in somewhere. Do you see the problem, friend? And listen, friend. If you want your brethren to help prune out the things in your fruit tree that are keeping you from fruit bearing, if you really want them to prune, don't, don't cry too hard when they start pruning. Be willing. Be willing. And there goes that nice branch. Oh my, I was expecting so many things from that. Never mind. Every branch that beareth fruit, he pruneth it, that it may do what? Bring forth more fruit. That's right. You know, the Lord has been good to us to even tell us what to say when we're tempted to uh, take on more work than we ought. Put too many dishes on our tray, you understand. This is in the book Ministry of Healing, page 294. There are those who can successfully carry a certain amount of work, but who become overwearied, fractious, and impatient when there is crowded upon them a larger amount of work than they have physical or mental strength to perform. They lose the love of God out of the heart, and then they lose courage and faith, and the blessing of God is not with them. Now listen. When men are asked, or tempted, either one, if somebody else asks you or you're tempted yourself, when men are asked or tempted to take more work than they can do, let them say firmly, I cannot do this. I cannot safely do more than I am doing. Now, I can't improve on that, friend, for that's inspired. I ought to tell you this, though, that these references that I am reading were all written when men and women who were employed in the lines spoken of in these testimonies were working 10 and 12 and 14 and 16 hours a day. You might like to know that by way of background. And if any of you would uh, like some uh, background on that, I think I could give you some. You know, times have changed a great deal. Well, somebody says, then what's the matter? I'll tell you what's the matter, Fred. While we have so many time and labor-saving help, and while the work day in general has been shortened and shortened and shortened. The American people have tried to crowd more and more and more into the 24 hours of the day and the seven days of the week. And no matter how you pack the suitcase, it's just so many cubic inches in Just so many hours in the day. All right. Let your moderation be known. Temperate in all things. Don't take more work than you can carry. Come unto me and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
what will I do about it? Well, friend, some of us will need to do some cutting. My first question on this is, where shall we start cutting? Now, if we're not careful, we may not start at the right place. Suppose I were a man working out here in a factory. I'm working eight hours a day, five or six days a week, and I'm earning enough money to support myself and my family. But I'm also doing a lot of things beside my work. Around the house, in the yard, or perhaps I'm moonlighting. Perhaps I have a lodge or a club, or I just go out and visit, or I have some kind of entertainment. Whatever it is, my time is more than filled up. Suppose I hear this study tonight, and I think, well, I guess that's true, Brother Frizee. I've been trying to get too much done. I think what I need to do is go to my employer and tell him that 40 or 48 hours a week is too much for me, and I'd like to have him cut it down to about, uh, say, 30 hours. So I'd have more time to sleep and more time to pray and more time to study. Would that be a good approach to it? Interestingly enough, if I'm working at a factory, I probably won't think of that solution. I probably won't think of that solution. Please turn to Second Thessalonians, the third chapter. Before we study what cutting down means, I want to study with you what it doesn't mean. Second Thessalonians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11 and 12. Now, you read it there in the King James. I'm going to read it for you in the Revised Standard Version. Second Thessalonians, the third chapter, beginning with the 10th verse. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. If anyone will not work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work in quietness and to earn their own living. Now from Philip's translation of the same verses, look again at your King James. When we were actually with you, we gave you this principle to work on. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Now we hear that you have some among you living quite undisciplined lives, never doing a stroke of work and busy only in other people's affairs. Our order to such men, indeed our appeal by the Lord Jesus Christ, is to settle down to work and eat the food they have earned themselves. If I understand this plain statement from the Bible, a man's first responsibility in work is to work enough to feed who? Himself. Now suppose he has dependents. Does he have a responsibility for them? That's just as much a part of it as to feed himself, isn't it? Yes. He settled that when he took on dependents. Why? Children. And, of course, as children, we have a responsibility to our parents when they become in need of help, and so with others. The Bible is clear on that. That's not my subject tonight. I merely call attention to the fact. And so, my dear friends, what we're studying tonight is not intended in any way to lessen the duty and responsibility of every man to work sufficiently to take care of himself and all who are dependent on him, whatever that takes. 
Now, do you think we ought to have any uh, surplus to help other people who may be unfortunate? Does the Lord tell us to do that? This is quite an order, isn't it? But overwork comes from one of two things, either from attempting on beyond that to try to get rich or to spend money foolishly, or else in not having good management in the way we work. In the book Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 316, I read, When one is forever at work, and the work is never done, it is because mind and heart are not put into the work. It takes some person ten hours to do that which another accomplishes readily in five. Such workmen do not bring tact and method into their labor. Now listen to this wonderful, encouraging statement. There is something to be learned every day as to how to improve in the manner of labor so as to get through the work and have time for something else. Every day it's my privilege to do what? Learn something about how to get more done in less time. So I'll have time for other things, for missionary work, for study and prayer, for sleep, for recreation, for visiting, and so forth. I found another suggestion here that might help some of us to know where to cut a little. This is in the book Evangelism, page 653 and 654. Let the talkative man remember that there are times when he has no right to talk. There are those who take time to stand still. Make not others idle by tempting them to listen to your talk. The time of many is lost when a man uses his tongue instead of his tools. This can be true not merely in building a house. It can be true in the office, in the sanitarium, and even in our homes, dear friend. I give you these suggestions so that you will take it to the Lord in prayer and see if we can't all learn how to help one another to find time enough to do the things we really need to do. Brother Damon isn't here tonight, and I'll just refer to him. I have learned a great deal from Brother Damon. He's ten years and more that he's been closely associated with us in the work here. I marvel at how much he gets done. But I, I don't see him rushing. He moves along in a very methodical way. He doesn't do a lot of talking. I like an expression that I've heard him and Brother Saylor both use many times. Just two words at the end of a conversation. Will do. Will do. You can take a paragraph to say it, but that's it. That's goodbye, and I'll try to carry this out all in just two words. Will do. I have uh, learned something as I have watched Brother Damon's memos. He writes me memos every now and then, and I'm trying to learn from him. Memos save time. Sometimes it's quicker to write a memo than it would be to have an extended visit or even a telephone call. And a written record is sometimes helpful. But Brother Damon is a marvel in saying something short order. I was mentioning to him the other day how much I appreciated this, and he rather smiled. He said, you know, I worked for years for Western Union. 
Well, the Lord was getting him ready. Now, friends, I can't tell you how to do all these things, but I'd like to have you now turn to Isaiah, the 50th chapter and the fourth verse, and give you the key to the whole thing. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Dear friends, if you and I will give God the first time, first part of our day in the morning, he will help us to know what to do the rest of the day. If you're in a bind financially, if it's obvious that some things you've been spending money for have got to stop so you can get out of debt, what do you do? Do you start with the tithe and say, well, I guess I'll have to cut that till I get out of debt? Do you? There's not a person here would want to do that, would you? No. You'd say, no, Lord, whatever I cut, I can't do that. That's yours. And so it is with this time we spend with Jesus. The heavier your burden, the more you need Jesus. This is a personal matter, my dear. Our opening text, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who will do it? If you come where? To him. Let's come to him. What do you say? But let us tonight accept as our goal nothing short of finding that rest which Christ has promised. Let us not consider it a halo of martyrdom to go about so burdened that people wonder what our problem is. Let us rather rejoice in being a part of that demonstration of moderation which says, thank God. I have come to Jesus, and although he hasn't put me in the rocking chair, he's put me in the yoke with him, and it feels good. Now, I have to pull, but I want to pull. I've got something worthwhile pulling. But, oh, he gives me rest while I work. This will mean, dear friends, that we will take to God in prayer the request the invitations that come to us to do this and do that and do the other thing. That we'll be careful what we put on our tray to be sure we're going to have time to eat it. It will mean that we'll take it for granted that we're going to miss many things. But it will mean this, right? That we will know that the work we're doing is the work appointed by God and that there's joy and satisfaction in the service of our Lord. Now will you repeat with me Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, all together. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May we bow our heads. Precious Lord, we invite thee, as thou hast invited us. Thou hast invited us to learn, we invite thee to be our teacher. In thy wonderful name we thank thee.
Amen. May we have the um, mics present? I'd like to give you opportunity, just where you are, to stand up and say a word of praise. Some of you, perhaps, maybe, have been a little backward about coming up here. Tonight I have an opportunity for you. Somebody that can stand right where you are and say a word of praise and thanksgiving to our Lord. Just stand and the men will bring you the mic. I appreciate your invitation more than ever. Nice message. And I want to come to Christ fully and experience this peace and rest that he promised to give. Thank the Lord. I'm very thankful for this topic tonight. For years I've been seeking to learn a little bit about it. Just lately I've had some experiences that have been very helpful. And what we got tonight was very timely. I appreciate it. I'd like to read a, several verses on the topic. Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings of eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I Thank think you. these are the verses that uh, are uh, Jack Kennedy uh, liked the most in the Bible, and I think that they are fitting for the topic tonight. Thank you, brother. Doctors? One great time saver and improver of efficiency is to finish one job before going on to the next. And I appreciate this message tonight particularly and choose by the grace of God to get these morning instructions. God bless you, my brother. If there's anybody that has extra burdens, it's our doctor. I'm sure many of us are praying that the Lord will send us further help. We need another physician to join our team. But we're glad for our brother's testimony. Will the Lord help him? to know what to do with what time he has. We'll all pray for you, my brother. We are praying for you. I'm thankful for this message tonight, and I want to learn to be moderate in all things, that I might be a better, might uh, do the things that the Lord has had me to do. Thank you. I want to thank the Lord for that promise. I didn't realize what it meant until... I came here to Wildwood. I have always been the type of person who's been, in addition to the burdens the Lord's given me, taking my own upon myself and felt very oppressed many times. And when I learned a lot of the principles here, such as the Beautiful Way Christian Home and all these other classes I've taken, at first I thought it, oh, another burden. But uh, as I reasoned, as the Lord reasoned with me, and I listened to his voice, this yoke became very light, and I praise the Lord because I don't have to worry about the hang of the world. This yoke is light, and it is easy compared to the world, and I don't want to ever give it up for anything or anybody. Good, sister. Good. Now, if there's any of you girls that haven't learned this, maybe Carmen would like to share with you how the Lord has taught her. You see, dear friends, we can learn from one another not every detail of how to do this, but different people can help us. Let's all determine that we we'll, will learn how to find the yoke easy and the burden light. What do you say? Because this is what Christ promised, Dean. 
I've had quite a time with this. I used to pride myself on how much I could accomplish, how fast I could run, but it seemed like I could never get caught up, no matter how hard I tried. And being the fact that we didn't have many workers, I found myself taking on more and more. Since I've come here to Wildwood and learned some of these lessons, one of the things is taking the time in the morning. The Lord is helping me to accomplish more and yet do it at a slower pace. I'm thankful for it. God bless you, brother. Well, I'm really thankful for, for what the Lord has done for me. And that what you said about that we can't get everything in. Like many times you might want to do one thing, but through the Lord's providence and his love for you, he may stop it. And I'm really thankful for it some events that have happened that it's happened this way because you can see that the Lord loves you and wants what's best for you, that you can't get anything that you'd like to. You know one reason the Lord's going to give us eternity? He's going to take it to get everything in. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's right. I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love. And that's why when we sit down at the table, we don't have to eat everything in sight. There's another meal coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.